episode three of Name This Bond Podcast. We podcast. really do have to come up with a name for this. <laughs> Keep forgetting to talk yeah, about Yeah, we don't. <laughs> we talk about everything else but the name of this podcast. Never have a conversation about it. <laughs> Another, nevertheless, welcome my good colleagues Darby Deck. Thank you. And our esteemed MI6 expert in the field, Brendan McClellan. Bon 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 bon. What's the name of the game today, Brennan? Uh, the name of the game... It's a film. It is, is Live and Let Die. Ooh. The first of the Roger Moores. Uh, 1973 film directed by Guy Hamilton, mm-hmm. who had directed two uh, Bond films previous to this. The mixed uh, Diamonds Are Forever mm-hmm. and the classic... Mm. Goldfinger. Ooh. Oh, good pedigree. Yes, and uh, also the the man who wrote the music for this film, George Martin, who also helped to write the uh, theme tune, uh, was the producer of the Goldfinger theme tune as well. Oh, gee. Mm. All right. So they're all connected. Mm. Again, feeding into this notion of a family, as you keep oh, yeah. mentioning. The, the yeah. Cubby kind of bringing everyone together, reusing everyone. Definitely. Well, here's one for you. Three Bonds walk into a bar. Sean, Roger, Daniel. They walk over to the bar, order themselves a martini, sit down. Sean says to uh, Sean says to Daniel, "Do you have the time, lad?" Daniel's already flirting with the wait staff. He walks off. He's he's, in, he's already in the back room. Sean turns to Roger, says, "Lad, do you have the time?" Roger turns around and says, "Yes, I do, but don't call me lad." I've got no time for your pleasantry, sir. Just give me the time, would you? So, Sean, it's. 1,600 hours. Why? Well, gentlemen, you know what time this is. It's time for Fact Check! Oh, <laughs> yes! <laughs> that made not much sense. Not at all. But I went along with it. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for coming. Thank you for coming. <laughs> Welcome to MI6 headquarters. It's, it's, it's Fact Check time. Oh, uh, Fact Check. Oh, Fact Check. It's a Fact Check. On Her Majesty's Secret Service. Mm-hmm. Brandon, you said that you thought that Peter Hunt was the editor of the first five Bond films. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, according to his IMDb page, where he is listed as Peter R. Hunt, Ooh. the R standing for... Rupert. Roger. Ah, damn it. Uh, it was <laughs> the he, obvious one. Is he even a Bond fan? <laughs> <laughs> Peter was credited as editor on Dr. No, From Russia With Love, and Goldfinger. Just three. However, mm. he is credited as supervising editor on Thunderball and You Only Live Twice. Oh. Ah. Thunderball was edited by Ernest Hosler, and You Only Live Twice was edited controversially by Thelma Connell, who on IMDb is uncredited. Oh. Robert Richardson is credited as the assembly editor. And you were about to say? Well, I, I was just about to ask, who was credited? Who was credited? I don't know. I don't know. Well, technically no one. It, they had the supervising... It just edited itself. Super... <laughs> we don't know. Supervising... Thelma. Did you say Thelma? Thelma Connell. Isn't that strange? Because I would say the most famous female editor Thelma. is also Thelma, Thelma Schoonmaker. Something in Thelma. What's going on? What's, what's in a name? What is it's in a name? It's our new segment. What's, what's in, in a name? name? <laughs> Pop quiz for you. What was Peter Hunt's very first directing credit? On a Majesty's. Absolutely yeah. right. Hey. He was 44 years old. He would go on to direct 
14 other titles. Wow. And I haven't seen any of them. (laughs) Couldn't name a thing. (laughs) Now, Brandon said, in relation to the avalanche sequence, they rigged up a whole series of explosions along the ridgeline of that mountain, and they set them off and and set up a, a whole bunch of cameras. Yeah. Now, according to Peter Hunt, who would know a little bit about this, the avalanche scenes were due to be filmed in cooperation with the Swiss Army, um, those that make the knives, Mm -hmm. who annually use explosions to prevent snow build-up by causing avalanches. But the area chosen for filming naturally avalanched just before they started filming. The final result was a combination of a man-made avalanche, stock footage, and images created by the special effects crew with salt. Now, according to John Glenn, yeah. the film's editor and second unit director, yes. he, along with a small crew, set out to an uninhabited section of the Swiss Alps nearby where a helicopter was dropping bombs on the ridge below. Three bombs were dropped from the helicopter, and what happened next is what is in the film. That's the man-made avalanche. Ah. The avalanche was created by the explosions, and it stretched... Two miles wide. That's 3.2 kilometres for those who use the metric system. Ooh, that's me. Right. Yeah. yeah. Brandon, you asked... It's always me. What is the very <laughs> famous film where the man is hanging from the minute hand of a clock? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. Is it a Hitchcock? You felt it was a Hitchcock film. And then I said, is it North by Northwest? Mm, it's not no. North it's by not, Northwest. It's not, no. This iconic film image first appeared in the 1923 silent romantic comedy film mm, Buster Keaton Safety Last starring not Buster Keaton Charlie Chaplin Harold Lloyd ah, okay. who's that Who is Harold Lloyd <laughs> Lloyd is depicted clutching the hands of a large clock as he dangles from the outside of a skyscraper above moving traffic the film was highly successful and critically hailed, cementing Lloyd's status as a major figure in early motion pictures. But what was Ooh. the film we remembered it from? Yeah. I'm getting there. I'm getting All there. Right. All right. There have been a number of references made over the years. Mm-hmm. Some include... Oh, there was an episode of Monk. Oh, really? Really? Yeah, I just remembered that. Came to you just that? just came to me just there. There you go. About, but there was, a body, there was, was a body on the minute hand and then... The minute hand moved, and then it dropped at a certain time, and that oh. created an alibi for someone or other. Am I, is am I mistaken? Is it also in Back to the Future? There is a reference oh, to Back to the is. Future. There, there is a go. reference with Doc. In 1972, Dad's Army episode, Time on My Hands. There's a reference. 1983 martial arts film Project A, oh. starring Jackie Chan. Oh. Um, and then you have, how could we forget this? The 1991 comedy film. Oscar. It recreated the image for its poster where the main character, played by Sylvester Stallone, hangs by a clock. Now, Brandon was right to a degree. Uh Hitchcock (laughs) does not reference this image in one of his films. However, the film, the the most recognisable film uh, where this reference appears, was in a film that Hitchcock did make as well. Huh? That makes any sense. <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> Not quite. <laughs> Continue. We'll wait for it. The 1978 
The 39 Steps. Oh, really? Directed by Australian-born director Don Sharp. Which was a remake of Of 
<laughs> That's the thing. It's really just to reaffirm. Uh, I'm glad. How good you are. How good yeah. you are. Yeah, yeah, well, thanks. Thank you. It's, it's good to hear that. It's good to hear it out loud. <laughs> From someone that's not me. <laughs> okay, well now we're right. heading into, I think, my favourite um, section. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that is preconceived notions. <laughs> uh, who would like to go first? What, what are your preconceived notions going into this one? About the film and also about what you're expecting from Roger Moore. Well, let's go Jake, because he hasn't seen it. Okay, yeah, good idea. I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it, and to be quite frankly... Uh, to be quite frankly... <laughs> oh, no, that's uh, our next section. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I've seen a Roger Moore Bond, ever. I'll be honest. I'm nervous. Yeah. I'm very nervous. I know funny you old are. Clown. <laughs> <laughs> From you called my him. clown. You did say funny old clown. Oh, funny old clown. Yeah. <laughs> so, I don't know. Look, I think I'm... First Englishman to play Bond. Oh my goodness me. Yeah, we had wow. an Australian and a Scot before him. Goodness. And following him, we had a Welshman and an Irishman. Irishman. What? So Daniel and Roger are the, the only Irish. two Englishmen to play Bond. Wow, what yeah. an upset. Mm. No, look, I think I'm, I'm probably um, being a little harsh on Roger. I have heard that he is the gentleman Bond. Um, I... I'm assuming that the 70s weren't too kind to the style to Bond. Bond. Oh, you mean the clothing? Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> okay. I mean, we saw some frilly shirts last time. I don't know what to expect this time. Yeah. Um, but yes, moving forward with Mr. Moore, I'm expecting to come into the more campy Bonds, mm-hmm. the more gadget-heavy Bonds. I, I I really don't know. I don't know. I think this is going to be... I hope that it's going to be a lot of fun. Do you know where it's set? Do you know much about the movie? Brandon briefly mentioned, I think we're going to see New Orleans and maybe a bit of Jamaica and maybe somewhere else. Did you say New York? New York, well? yeah. yeah. Harlem, um, Harlem. 1970s Harlem. Wow. And I, I will say this. One thing that does get me a little on edge with Bonds is when he goes to America. There's something about Bond that I don't... visiting Hollywood. Yeah, I want him to stay (laughs) as far away from Hollywood as possible. Uh I like him, by all means, go to the Caribbean, uh, go to Latin America, stay away from the States, Uh, go to Europe. What do you think that is? Do you think it is just the Hollywood thing? Or is it that that America doesn't, uh, doesn't really scream exotic or... Yeah, good point. Foreign. Maybe it is a bit of that. Maybe they're, they're particular landscapes that we're very used to seeing. Um, you know, for me, the locations play such a big part in, in, in what I want from a Bond film. And if I'm seeing, you know, all of the sort of regular spots, then it's not overly interesting or stimulating to me. Um, that being said, I really love nature compared to urban that's just me too. Okay. You know, I think if I see so Bond, wild, right. if I see Bond in the wild, that's more interesting to me than say a cityscape or an urban setting. Is that more interesting to you than seeing him in, say, like a European casino or hotel? No, I think I think if I don't see a Bond in a casino or some luxurious, you know, European esque hotel, then I'm a little disappointed. Yeah. Um, I'm definitely disappointed when there's no, um, there's no casino. class and elegance in a Bond yeah. film. Yeah, 
And maybe I don't really see too much ooh, class in the States. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you said that. <laughs> I have to fact check that one. Yeah. Fact, fact check, fact check. You know, I, I see more romance and, and class and opulence and luxury in, in Europe than I do in... I know what you mean. You know I, I, mean? I think. Although, I've that being said, the French Quarter of New Orleans... That kind it's of, got something up. I, yeah, I, I'm, sure. I'm open to that. Yeah. For sure. Saint-Denis. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> From Red Dead Redemption. But, yes, I think more is probably going to be a bit of a challenge for me, but I hope it's going to be fun because I do love gadgets and I do love those whippy one-liners, mm. um, which I have a feeling you might be good at. I'm just a little bit concerned when the pendulum swings too far. Mm. Yes, yeah. Well, now, Darby, you have seen... I you've have seen, seen this film, and you've seen a couple of more I've seen films. a few mores. Yeah, I feel like I've probably seen... I remember watching a lot of more films as a kid because it was my mum's favourite bond. Oh. Yes. Um, but this is probably the only more film that I remember in great detail. I think the oh, other okay. ones, I, I wouldn't really be able to tell you much about the setting, except for maybe Moonraker. Any other, oh, more, yeah. any all the other more films kind of blend together for me. So this one, mm. this one, I really love. I think there's, mm, I guess, just the kind of the structure of this setting will open up some new insights for me. But yep. I'm not expecting to see anything particularly new, if that makes sense. I get you. Mm. I'm, I'm, I'm worried now about. The handling of stereotypes in this one because I know it's there's a big African American influence. Don't want too much cringy moments. I'm not sure if they do it with taste or not. I can't quite remember that aspect. Mm. I know there's some brilliant set pieces in this. I don't remember having a problem with Roger in this. I remember having a problem with him in, in subsequent films. Right. So that's pretty mm. much. What about you? Yeah. How many times have you seen Live and Let Die? Um. Oh God! How long's a piece of string? It's a bit like that now. I've lost count how many times I've seen these movies. Um, Would this be one of the ones you've frequented more often or less often? Uh, as I've gotten older, this is one that I watch more often. Okay. Mm. Um, I would say, if you had to, uh, it, like off the top of my head, what am I? What's my favourite Roger Moore Bond film? It would be this or. For your eyes only. Mm-hmm. The, those two always stand out to me as Roger Moore's Roger Moore at his best. Okay. Um, I I've seen Live and Let Die a couple of months ago, maybe like six seven months ago, and I remember having a really really good time with it. Um, it's more not at peak Moore. Mm-hmm. He's not as um, I mean, it's his first go, so yeah. he's still exploring everything. Um, as we've seen with the, the previous two, you know, there's, there's still room for growth, usually. Um, but he does hit the ground running with really great style and panache. Mm-hmm. Do you think his style and panache, because I know he's very stylish and suave, mm. does that hinder his ability in the action scenes? Or the believability of Bond in the action scenes? Um, I, I, it depends. It depends on the film. Because that's always kind of... That's, that's where I put more. Suave, gentleman, can't do action. 
Yeah. Well, it's funny because I did uh, James Bond Radio's Boxing Day quiz, uh, Mm -hmm. which they do once a year. And uh, I did it the other day. And one of the questions in there was, uh, Roger Moore never runs on screen in any of his Bond films, true or false. And thinking about it, I was like, surely, surely we see Roger Moore run at least once in one of these films. Apparently, no. Every time in a Roger Moore film that he runs, it is his stunt double. No way. Yep. Wow. And so that, that I think, (laughs) well, apparently he said, according to James Bond Radio, he said that he thought he looked awkward when he ran and he thought that that didn't suit the character of James Bond. And there is, particularly with the later Moore films, there's a, the, um, the old saying that um, Roger Moore was the stand-in for his stunt guy. Mm. Uh-huh. Um, it, I, it, when I think of Roger Moore Bond, I don't think of great fight scenes. I don't think of great action scenes. But I do think of really, really good one-liners. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and effortless wit Mm. and I just can't help but smile when I see him it's like seeing your favourite grandfather (laughs) you're just like there he is there's Pop (laughs) there's James Bond Pop Um, I love him as I've gotten older I've loved Roger Moore more and more and more when I was a kid, I did have all a four of them. <laughs> all four. Uh, I did have a bit of a uh, struggle with him because, as a kid, I wanted more of that Daniel Craig, Sean Connery, mm-hmm. you know, Fleming esque yeah. thing. Mm-hmm. More, I would say, more than anyone. There are a lot of more puns here, <laughs> but more than anyone, I think Roger made the character his own mm-hmm. he created he knew his own limitations as an actor yeah and said if you're going to make me bond then you make bond me mm-hmm. points for that yeah yeah, that's cool. for that. that's yeah. Cool. and i think he he is usually the one that when you want a good time bond you put him or pierce brosnan on mm-hmm. you know what i mean they're like, very similar they are very similar mm-hmm. really really similar you actually. would say that I would, yeah, I would say that. And sometimes I think Brosnan could be slightly. No, no, that's not fair. But I was going to say he could be slightly guilty of kind of taking the best of each bond. But I think that's just naturally who Pierce Brosnan is. Mm. He's like kind of the perfect person to play a bond, Mm. particularly uh, in the kind of timeline of the first 20 films. Um, they're my preconceived notions I don't yeah. want to talk about it too much more because I don't want to influence too mm. much going into this but I think we're going to have a very very good time tonight regardless alright so it is now time to pop on the Blu-ray of 1973's Live and Let Die Gentlemen, we have just finished watching 1973's Live and Let Die, starring Roger Moore. 
Who wants to jump in first? Because we are seriously buzzing. Ah! <laughs> that was a fantastic experience. <laughs> stunned, and we are now stunned. It is stunned silence. Everyone's clenching fists, and it's palpable. It's like it's still in me. I'm still jittering around. I can't wipe the smile off my face. Oh my goodness, my dear. That was a Bond film. That was a Bond film. That was yeah. a Bond film. It's a classic. It was, That's a top tier Bond film. That's up there. Instant. I had so much fun. I was bouncing around the whole time. It's so enjoyable. It's it is so, so funny. enjoyable. It doesn't drop funny. a beat. doesn't miss a beat. No. It doesn't drop the ball, miss a beat. One of the very first things I heard you say was, oh, it moves so fast. We're, oh, now we're kind of here and moving. It's like, yeah. it's just, the momentum kind of builds and flows. It's so organic and it's just so cleverly crafted. And I've got to say, the best editing I've seen thus far in a Bond film. Yeah. Easily, easily. Yeah. When, when you first brought that up, that's not something I've ever thought of with this film. Mm. Edi- whenever someone mentions editing, I... I constantly think of there are two examples in the bond films where i go okay editing you're either saying it's really great and then it's usually honor majesties that people bring up or they go oh the editing sucked balls <laughs> and they're usually talking about quantum of solace yeah <laughs> but the, when as soon as you mentioned it during the film so understated uh, yeah, yeah and that's it's brilliant that's it's brilliant that's why it stood out to me because i was <laughs> the cuts were invisible the, mm. like you know, they obviously weren't visible, but no, that no. sense, that sensibility, that it, it's that, that cliche, that thing know. that you used to have when when you were a kid, when you would watch those classic films like Lion King, Aladdin, Jumanji, even mm. like the, the 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 films that just kind of you got lost as soon as that VHS went in, mm. you were lost in the world. You weren't not aware, aware of, of it being a mm. film, mm. and I felt that with this. Yeah. I was just. I was there. I was on the journey with Bond. And look, it's, it's hard for me to say this because I'm so accustomed to Roger. Jake, I have to ask. I'm going to jump straight in here. How did you go with Mr. Roger Moore? Mr. Roger Moore was absolutely fantastic. <laughs> this, I mean... So, Roger, I apologise. <laughs> I apologise profusely. This film was an absolute blast and he was a big part he of making it work was a massive yeah. part of that yeah. those one liners oh my god he is so charming he's so effortless he's so suave he's so seductive and so dry imagine, oh i love the dryness imagine how refreshing and unexpected this would have been in 1973 very true yeah i wonder mm. i wonder cuz he's he's a fair bond and maybe cause he's fair. Of, he's yeah. not dark too, mm. you know. And oh, you mean hair color? Hair, yeah, yeah right. <laughs> <laughs> like, you has this? Bond been unfair? <laughs> Perhaps he has. <laughs> no, but the gentleman we've seen before, you know, it's dark-haired, brooding, kind of tall, strapping, you know, dark lads, and he's tall, strapping, and fair. Yeah, he is quite fair. Different look, isn't he? Different Particularly look. in the sun. Yeah, yeah. Is he the tallest Bond? That's a good question. I was just thinking that then. I know that Lazenby's a very tall man. Yeah, he looks it. Although Connery looks pretty large. Connery too. was a pretty yeah. He had Craig a pretty does big not. figure. No, Craig, I think is about five eleven. Even Dalton's. I, I don't a, think. 
don't think Dalton's Craig hit six foot. Yeah. Dalton's quite tall, yeah, because mm-hmm. I remember him in um, Hot Fuzz being yes. quite yes. tall. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but it's funny because when I watch Dalton in the Bond films, he doesn't seem as tall. He doesn't have that same presence that I think mm. Roger and Sean have. Mm. I believe Roger and Sean are roughly the same height because this is going to be fact checked. (laughs) See you next episode. But uh, I believe there's a photo that I'm thinking of with them years, like a decade or two after both of them, after Roger had given up Bond, uh, them together at like in a ceremony, like at the AFIs or the Oscars or something. And uh, they're standing next to each other, and they're pretty much the same height. Right. right. And they're pretty much the same age. Are they? Uh, Roger is older. He's about a year or two older. Is he really? Than Connery, yeah. Mm. Or was. He passed away um, That's only surprising. a couple of years ago, actually. Mm. Died so at the age though, of 89. Even though Sean was, he was looking first. quite old in his last film. Yeah. Moore came in and was younger. He, yeah, he looks younger, but is actually the actor is older, older. Right. which helps with the continuity as yeah. well. I think, yeah, which um, kind of feeds in with this film because there are a lot of nods to two old films. I mean, Quarrel Junior, yeah, mm-hmm. being a, a big nod to uh, Sean's first, to yeah, Quarrel Junior. <laughs> um, but I, there's so many comparisons I think between this and Doctor No. Yeah. Uh, mm. The location very similar. I mean, it's the, the the fictional island is San Monique, but really it's Jamaica. It's Jamaica. It was all shot in Jamaica. Um, plus, there's a bit of New Orleans and um, New York. Darby, what what are your thoughts on Mister Moore? Oh. This has redefined my view on him. Even though I've seen this before, I think mm. within you know the boundaries of this exercise. This has really made me stand up and take notice of him. I'm excited to see how he progresses. Mm. I'm fearful for his later films. <laughs> I'm yes. fearful for his later yep. films. But yeah. I know that at least yeah. the first three or four should be good based on, based on this one. Yeah, well, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a huge fan. I, I, to be honest, there's only really one Roger Moore film that I don't like. Mm. Um... But it's funny you say that, being fearful of those later ones. Because I think I said this at the the top of the podcast, um, that uh, there's the old line that Roger was the stand-in for the stunt guy. Mm. Not in this. Not Absolutely in this one. not. Not in this at all. He he's behind the, the wheel of the bus. He's in the car that's moving at the top at New York. Yeah. He's in the boat. That amazing yeah, bloody boat. boat. That like crazy boat work. Mm-hmm. Of course, there are stunt doubles and stand-ins here sure. and there. But my God, I'm he's pretty sure in it there. is him that swings around that ladder there at the start and kicks those two henchmen. I down think it there is in the yeah. back alley. It's of pretty convincing. I, I, you know, and that I've fist got my fight foot firmly in my mouth. He's he's good yeah, at the me action. too. He's good at the action. I'll at say very this. convincing. And mm. in that train fight at the end, that is very very good choreography. Yeah, it was. And he and the actor who plays T. He handled that superb very well that's mm. a great final sequence for dispatching a henchman oh yeah absolutely I will say this I think what I just witnessed was very close to exactly what I want from James Bond really wow oh go on that's <laughs> <laughs> you didn't know it until you saw it I didn't know it until I saw it isn't that mm. funny because you were so fearful I really Roger. was I really was so mm. fearful I mean look 
He's, he's got, got six spin. more films to go. There's a lot of there. There. He There's could let you there. down. <laughs> but from what I witnessed tonight, that was something pretty pretty special. He's carried a bit of favour, even if his later films do drop off. Do yeah. drop off. It's yeah. like on this alone, he's got a place in my heart. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. For a debut. For a bond. day. For a debut bond. It doesn't feel like it a debut. Does, it feels does like it? he's been doing this for years. Yes. Yeah. He's so effortless, so comfortable. Like he owns it, and like what you said before, Dubs, he he makes it his own, mm. and he has reinterpreted it. He mm. has reinvented the part, and I think they would have loved him for it. It would have breathed fresh air in the whole franchise. Uh, yeah. They would have been very confident. Yeah, yeah. moving forward with yeah. this, they're like, yeah, we're on a winner here. Yeah, and and it's an amazing team that they kind of put together for this. I mean, Guy Hamilton, who directed this, had directed Diamonds of Forever two years earlier, which. A lot of people can take or leave, mm. but no one can deny the fact that Guy Hamilton directed the pretty much the ultimate of Bond films, which Gold. is Goldfinger. Mm. Wow. And there's a lot of Goldfinger DNA in this mm. as well mm. that I that I don't think is as present in Diamonds Are Forever from memory. I haven't seen Diamonds for a, for a while, but Diamonds isn't one that sticks out in my head as being a, a classic. This film just Roger is. He is Bond. Mm. He just is Bond. Mm. I mean, even in that hideous double denim light blue <laughs> with the thing, mesh with, singlet, with the fishnet <laughs> singlet, happy Mardi Gras. <laughs> oh my god! But even in that, I was like, oh, he's still somehow. I don't doubt him. Yeah, he don't pulls it off. He even running down off. the grassy hills with the uh, the tan flared pants and the and the widely opened up collared shirt. It was yeah. like he still got it, man. And I think I need to question this James Bond radio uh, thing of never seeing Roger Moore run. Uh-huh. Yeah. Because there's a couple of shots in he's here. He's at least jogging. He's got to run on. <laughs> I reckon he's got to run on. When they're running through the poppy fields um, yeah. and he grabs her hand, they're running. Yeah. That's Roger Moore. I'm certain of it. I'm certain of it, and I want a point. I want an extra point on the Boxing Day quiz. Thank you, James Bond Radio. Um, I guess we should... Uh, this is our... Uh, we've got a proper pre-title sequence. Yes. Yeah. Which Bond doesn't appear in? No. No, no Bond. Great. Great structural sequence. Hats off to them. Hats off to the screenwriter in particular of this. Who Tom wrote? Tom Mankovich. Okay. This was the second uh, of three that mm. he wrote. He, he knows wrote, story structure. He knows dialogue too. Mm. I love the dialogue in the Tom Mankovich um, films. Mm-hmm. He did Diamonds Are Forever, Live and Let Die, and then The Man with the Golden Gun. Okay. And I don't think... Diamonds Are Forever, I think, has some of the best dialogue in the series. Wow. I think the plot is a little weak and the, the way it was... You know, kind of put together is a little sloppy, mm-hmm. but you can't fault the dialogue. There's some killer lines in that. There's some killer bloody lines in this. Yeah. This. I can't think of any, but I know they're there. <laughs> oh, well, from the pre title sequence, one of my favorites is the. Uh, huh. Whose funeral is it? Oh, Yours. Yeah. <laughs> Jab. And then the way. Brilliant. They, I mean, this is, this is a confident director. The, the way that he. And again, excellent editing. Mm. the way that when we revisit that sequence we see nothing but we know exactly what's happened oh. based on the music cues yeah yeah, yeah. it's that's really as soon as you see that funeral procession come making. out you're Cause, like yeah because there's a chance you're going to leave the audience behind there if you don't know what you're doing yeah but he nailed it trusted, trusted, it, trusted his audience yeah 
It's it, it's a really interesting pre-title sequence. Like you say, there's no Bond. Yeah. But we have three really interesting assassinations yes. of MI6 agents. Yeah. yeah. We start at the UN headquarters in New York. Mm. That amazing little sequence where he's listening to the translator. Mm-hmm. The guy, the you know, the mysterious hand unplugs his wire, puts in the red wire, depresses whatever that device <laughs> is. Mm-hmm. The high-pitched squeal in the ear and then dead at the UN. Damn. Like, we open with such an amazing entry. Then we're off to the funeral procession at, in New Orleans, which is just fantastic. Mm. That's a beautiful sequence. Uh, and then the third one is, uh, which sets up our final kind of, sh- well, the showdown with Baron Samadhi, is the uh, the snake uh, yeah. wielder. Yeah, yeah. Sacrificial. In, in, in the jungle. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Spooky mm. place. It's a really, it's a really good pre-title sequence it leaves you just enough to be like all right what's going on yeah who's who's playing we're going to tie all of these people together who's this and the and the three main locations of the film yeah and also something that i i had probably noticed but i really took note of today was in the pre-title sequence we see the main bong girl Mm-hmm. And the villain, yeah, because they're both sat next to each other at the San Monique table in the UN mm-hmm. when the United Kingdom representative gets uh, yeah. gets oh, assassinated. I don't think I picked up on that. Yeah, yeah, they're both there, and I'm trying to think if the villain and the Bond girl have appeared in the pre-title sequence. I can't think at the top of my head of of, of that happening. Gee. Could be the first and only, actually. Mm. No Bond, but we do have that. Mm. We then jump into, of course, iconic Derby. This is your favourite Bond theme. What a song. Live and Let Die by Paul McCartney. We'll talk about the song first. What are your thoughts on the song? Jake, you tell me what you... Yeah, what are your thoughts? <laughs> you've seen you it in situ now. Yeah, yeah, you've seen it in situ now, so... Yeah. I, I come, on, come on, big boy. I am. I am. All right, all right. <laughs> I've heard it. I've seen it in situ. And you've loved it, right? <laughs> I've loved the it. The changes work. I've though. loved the it. Changes you know what? work. I've changed my tune. Oh. Oh. Morris Binder's best work that I've seen. So I think so too. Mm. I think it's his best work. Mm. It's just the crazy the enough, skull. kooky Ooh. enough. Ooh, oh, yeah. brilliant. Mm. That, Like I said, that um, when we were watching it, there's a shot where the um, it's the profile of a skull. And then this um, kind of diagonal uh, woman, woman yeah, yeah. kind of laid out, and then the hand the coming up there, him. which turns into the flames. It's just that is insanely good imagery, yeah. and it just it just captures the feel of this film. Mm. I think the best title sequences they kind of capture the feel of the film without being the film, yes. without being too kind of. Um, literal, literal. Yeah. Um, and I think it, that's something that Daniel Kleinman does really well GoldenEye one but, yeah, yeah GoldenEye um, he did from GoldenEye pretty much till the current one as far as we know he's he going to do, do he didn't do Quantum no. and that really sorely missed yes. on Quantum I think because yeah. I think Quantum gets a little falling little sand yeah, and sand. it's like okay what else yeah. is this <laughs> yeah. film about yeah um but, you know, Daniel Kleinman could kind of capture the feeling, particularly in those Brosnan films. Mm-hmm. Um, he captured the feeling without being too literal. And I think this is, as you say, this is Binder's best. I think I really do believe yeah, that. Yeah, okay. I mean, I really do believe even that. of the ones we haven't seen, or are you talking... Yeah, well, because I think... Look, 
all of Binder's ones have something to marvel at. Yeah, sure. And they were pretty much all revolutionary for their time. Mm-hmm. Some of them leave me a bit cold. Yep. Is that the song or the title sequence? It's more the title sequence. And the song. The song kind of plays in on it yeah, a little yeah. bit. It's so... It's impossible not to be pumped up by Live and Let Die. Yeah. Yes. And the, both the song and the sequence are married so perfectly. Yeah. I think this... They've really... They've merged really, really, really well. I think so too. It's... um, Yeah, it's a brilliant song. Brilliant title sequence. I love the way that George Harrison incorporates that theme throughout the film. Yeah. It just complements all the action. It complements the, the love scenes. Yeah. Like George hearing it with different orchestrations. Did I say George Harrison? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was a Beatles slipper. <laughs> I meant George Martin, <laughs> who was actually referred to as the fifth Beatle. So oh, wasn't well, far off. So don't yeah. fact check me. <laughs> I fact checked myself. <laughs> um, yeah, the way that George Martin beg your pardon. <laughs> beg that your pardon really me for a loop. <laughs> <laughs> the Beatle? The Beatle? Um, I think the way he incorporates it throughout the film mm. is extraordinary. Oh, yeah. The music in this film is fantastic. Mm-hmm. It, it's one of the best soundtracks. It ever. knows when it needs to be there and it knows when it doesn't. That, in, that boat sequence without the music for, the, for three quarters of it, I feel like that's, I mean, fact check. But that feels pretty new. That construct of doing a, a, a big action scene with no score yeah. and, and letting the confidence of the sound design Carry it through. Carry it yeah, through. Yeah, I, I would say it was it's essentially very rare. Yeah. Not um, manipulating us in any kind of way, just no. letting, letting it the sit action there. play. Yeah. Yeah, the musicality of the action sequence itself is enough to carry you through. Yeah, Plus, so you have funny. the comic relief of Sheriff J.W. Pepper, who we will get to a bit later. <laughs> oh I don't want to jump into him just yet <laughs> because I think there are more pressing things to get to. He needs his own podcast. He needs a spit off. <laughs> well, we do see him again. Oh, really? He what? pops up in The Man with the Golden Gun. No oh, my way. God. Yes, yes, he does. Okay. Yes, oh, he's back. Wow. He's back with a vengeance. <laughs> um, okay, the plot. The plot. Should we talk about the plot of the film? I feel like I always get a little confused when I ask this question in the mm. podcast we've done. I feel like, are we talking about the villain's plot or are we talking about the plot of the film? I guess they're kind of the uh, same They're pretty thing. much the same. Yeah, yeah. I, I guess the, the villain's plot is kind of the main driver, right? Or at least Bond's main sort of obstacle or main yeah. objective and obsession for, for most part. But I guess if you open it up, you can include any sort of side relationships and any kind of B stories that Sheriff are Sheriff J.W. Pepper. Sheriff he has his J. whole w. own movie in between there. Yeah. <laughs> it really feels like its own movie, that it sequence. Does. As soon as you said Dukes of Hazard, I was like, you're bloody right. It yeah. is the Dukes of it's Hazard. It's Dukes of Hazard. It's Smokey and the Bandit. It's, it's, it's like an intermission featurette. It, it really is. is. Yeah, It really but is. But it's still such a joy to go through. Oh, fuck. I'm, we're talking about Sheriff J.W. Oh, right. <laughs> no, we have to focus on the plot. The what, plot. The plot. Well, I mean, the clearest so far mm. that of the films we've reviewed thus far. It's it's yeah, so very clear. Yeah. And and the only one I could properly kind of 
recite back to you. Yeah. If I had to summarize it with confidence, I could kind of probably go beat by beat. You know, yeah. there's there's a lot of clarity. I feel like the reveal of the heroine mm-hmm. uh, being his plan was counterintuitive to all this. Let's call it spy shit. Yep. <laughs> in the you know extending the flute out and speaking into the radio and the fact that everyone's in on on the on the operation. On the, yeah. operation. the the streets of Harlem having this huge organization. Exactly. I thought that that was the only thing where my brain was going all this for heroin? Like mm. that was slightly Although a lot of money I a I've lot of heard money. A, lot of money. <laughs> a lot of money in heroin and I guess if you, I mean, what else could he do once he builds that empire? You know what I mean? And again, might have been the first heroin-based villains in cinema as well. Well, yeah. It, well, it might, I think well, it might well have been. We might, you know, we hadn't had any sort of American gangster or, you know, all of these sort of... 73, no? Other yeah. films that kind of dive into the gangster underworld of... Yeah, of I think we're kind of in coming into that era. Yeah. Like, we're coming close to The Godfather... We're coming close to, you know, uh, all the rip-offs that come from that. Mm. Um, we're starting to see films that kind of expose the seedy mm. underside of society. I think the 70s was such a mm. cultural and socio-political kind of revolution, mm. which I think this film is kind of, in its yeah. own Bondian way, speaking so, to. Yeah, mm. I mean, it's a predominantly African-American cast. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And my fear in the prelude... You know, nothing to worry about. I don't think there was any sort of major or offensive stereotyping. There was a couple of moments on the nose, but it was all grounded in its narrative. Yeah, yeah. You know? certainly it's not as much as the earlier films. You know, where you know, particularly with Doctor No, you kind of go, yeah. "Ooh, Jesus. like it was." Mm. You had those vocal moments watching it, going, "Ooh, that's a bit on the nose." But yeah, and it also was aware of racism in the way that the sheriff. Oh yeah, would this. refer to the to him as boy. Yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah. in that sense, it's maybe a little more. And aware. Sheriff J. W. Pepper, who is quite clearly a racist kind of, you mm. know, Louisiana sheriff. Someone mm. we're still talking about. Uh, Whether he keeps coming back. <laughs> <laughs> um, he is. He's part of the plot. He's but he, he's he's uh, he's the dumb idiot racist. He is. And we laugh at him. Yes. We're not laughing with him. Exactly. Which I think is something that they handle well in this. I don't think, spoilers, I don't think they handle him very well in The Man with the Golden Gun. Right. Mm, that's a shame. Yeah. But we'll get to that when we get to that. <laughs> um, Jake, your thoughts on the, on the villain's plot? I know you briefly touched on it earlier yeah um, did you keep up with with the plot of this one yeah I did I d- thank you <laughs> are you alright are you alright <laughs> yeah I keep up just fine what happened again um, I would agree with Can Darby I too <laughs> roll him up I would agree with Darby in the sense that did this drug lord require all of the secrets by Stuff. I love the Secret Spy stuff. I love it. It just feels like two different villains. It felt like it, he needed to be yeah, well, launching he, rockets into space well, or something. Yeah. He, he is essentially two villains. Yes. Because yes. he is Dr. Kananga, yes. who is the president, prime minister of the country of San Monique. Yes. And he is the drug kingpin, um, Mr. Big. Yes. And so he kind of is this drug kingpin, yeah. but also... He's the head of a government. Well, that's the thing. So he's able to use his country yeah. and all of their 
you know, resources to then become the most protected drug lord. I mean, the fact that he says um, that his plan is to release something like two tons or 20 tons yeah, of heroin. Yeah, didn't get that quite. It's to eliminate the competition. Yeah. To and to get everyone free. hooked on his yes. product. Yeah. So that then, when they come back for seconds... It just feels seconds, like a big loss. It's going to take a few years. But it's a long-term investment. It's a long-term investment. Yeah. It's a long-term investment. And, like he says, it's the best way to do to start a business. Yeah. Is to give out a free sample. Because once people like the sample, they go, well, that was some good stuff. Let's go back to that. Mm. Um paint stores do it and apparently heroin uh, <laughs> kingpins do it <laughs> um, I, I, I'm with you I think it's a really simple plot that doesn't get too uh, bogged down in the minutia of it mm, yep. we kind of go okay bad guy uh, selling bad stuff he's using bad means to cover up his badness and the need I'm for, with you the need for Bond was also really clear in this one sometimes it feels like was this a job for Bond? Does he need to be in, here? In, the, in the setup yes, phase? It, yeah. beca- it always becomes a job for Bond. Yes. But in the initial phase, it kind of. This one in particular, it's like, I see why they've yeah. gone to the MI6. Three, yeah. three United Kingdom officials or agents yeah. have been murdered. Yes. And they seem to all be related. Hmm. There's too much of, of a coincidence for them to be to be unrelated. So who do they send? Their best man, Agent 007 James Bond. Mm. Find out what's happened and find out he does. He sure does. I think another thing that I appreciate about the plot too is that there were plenty of moments, the boat sequence being one of them, that allowed us to cool off and relax mm. and have a bit of fun. There was plenty of fun and games. Oh yes. It wasn't too singular in, in its kind of this is all... It's here. It, 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 it let us meander at times, you know, have a bit of fun with that sequence and that car chase and that boat chase and, and in this location and that location. Um, I, I really appreciated that because I think it gave, it gave us more time with Bond in different ways. Um, there was a lot of variation. I thought lots of different places and things to do instead of it just being an A to B sort of thing. Mm. Yeah. Without it being overcrowded and overstimulating, I thought the balance was good. Do you think they got the balance right with the locations? How did you, how did you feel with the locations? I mean, you can't go wrong with that kind of Jamaican I actually, thing to tell you the truth, I maybe didn't really know where I was in oh, some okay. portions. Really? Okay. But um, didn't bother me. In terms of... Whether or not you were in Le- San Monique or... Yeah, or, the Locales sort of blended. I didn't know yeah. where his island was in relation to... I know they The rest of a, the world. Yeah, yes. I know they hopped on the boat and then... And then also when we were on the island, there were people living on the island as well? Uh, well, it's San Monique, so it's essentially a country. Uh-huh. So it's a, some, it's a country in the Caribbean mm. is what uh, I could pick up. Um, it's essentially meant to be Jamaica, but the filmmakers didn't want to say that it was Jamaica, probably for the reason of going, we didn't want to go, oh, well, the Prime Minister of Jamaica is a drug lord. Yeah, you know, yeah, it had to be a fictitious like, place. Yes, of, yes. Yeah. Which they do again in one other film, which is um, Licensed to Kill. Right. right. Um, Creating countries. Which has a couple of ties to this film, actually. Okay. Quite a few ties, which we will become... It? Uh, no, License to Kill will is his, is second, his second. Yeah, 
So who knows when that will come up in the roulette, mm. but we will get to it. Mm-hmm. I really love the mix of locations. Um, yeah, I, I sort of agree with you. I, I don't think I kind of knew specifically where San Monique was, but yeah. I was okay yeah, it was with fun. that. Yeah, they, There was sort of a blend to the location, but again, I think that's down to the seamlessness of the edit. Yeah. Yeah, you I know, think you're right. There was no, it wasn't required to at various points in the narrative to do the reset. Here's the new place. Yeah, because it's not where we needed to be. It wasn't as an too audience. heavy laden so let's, with let's stay with the exposition. Yeah. Of, are you keeping up? You yeah, gotta know. It's like no, let's just keep moving. Yeah, exactly. You in know what? You know what? You're does. with yes. Oh, yeah. You know? With quantum, you're constantly scratching your head, being like. Jesus, where the hell am I? Yeah. Like, what country, friends? The location, <laughs> yeah. the location's very much a backdrop in this film, yeah, rather mm. than a character. I yeah. Feel. yeah, yeah, and and I Except think maybe New Orleans. That's more of a character. Well, see, I would say for me, I thought that um, uh, uh, you're right. New Orleans definitely has its own flavour, mm. um, but like when we go through that Louisiana boat chase, stuff, yes, that has a very similar the heat. Feels yeah. like you know the temperature, the climate mm, the feels vibe. very yeah, yeah feels yeah. similar to what San Monique is. Mm. The only place that I thought did feel different was the coldness of um, Harlem oh, yeah. and New York. Those, that, those that, dilapidated, that, the rubble, the rubble, yeah, oh, so yeah. crazy. Which is insane was that because Pinewood. That would have been Pinewood. I don't know. I think it was actually Harlem. Right. I think they actually... Location scouted. Or, or if not Harlem, you'll have to fact check this, mm. but it was it was in New York. Mm. I, From memory, they didn't film in Harlem because it was still quite a rough neighbourhood mm. in that time. New York was a near lawless city Very at that place. point. Mm. Um, really dangerous. Mm. Um and uh, but but that that um, alleyway, I'm fairly sure, was a real kind of um, alleyway mm. in New York, which is crazy to think that that's what a city like New York looked like used to look like. Mm. Yeah. Um, but like I said, watching it, and it's the first time I've picked it up. That's got to, the 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 island that Silver is mm. in in Skyfall. That's got to be a nod oh, to it's this. Definitely yeah, it's got to yeah. be. Um, one thing I will say about the the mix of locations, I wasn't uh, as disappointed with seeing Bond in America. Oh, mm. good. Yes, you were. Yeah, yeah. I was you a bit were concerned, concerned about, about that. that. I was just like, oh, get away from America. And, you know, we we see we see enough of that in 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 the Hollywood movies and stuff. But it was. I did enjoy it. I did enjoy it, and I think I kind of enjoyed it because. It, Sort of felt like a little bit of a fish out of water story. Yeah, it kept its British point of view. It was like, oh, Bond, Bond on an excursion, sort of to America. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, right? He's always yes. on an excursion. He's always in new different places. But yeah, for me, he feels really at home in those places around Europe and, and the Mediterranean and all that sort of stuff. That makes sense. But seeing him in America is sort of it's a weird kind of feeling because it almost does feel like they've put Bond into a different movie. It's, you know, especially when, when, when the boat chase kicks off and there's all these American police. And yeah, probably, yeah. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Bond's Bond, been dropped in. He's been dropped in <laughs> this other, other, other movie. Film. You're like, oh, I kind of dig this because it's still Bond. Like, it's he's still doing Bond. his thing. Yeah. 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 I thought it was good. I, I had fun. Uh, another big 
thing for you, which mm-hmm. I think has been uh, ticked off quite well in this film. Yes. Uh, the gadgets. Yeah. Oh, yeah, there's some gadgets. How did Ooh. we feel about the gadgets? There some great gadgets. I love yeah. the art design on the gadgets. Oh, me yeah. too. Yeah. I love the art design. I've never noticed mm. it before, noticed it before, but the art design on the, um, the, the, the shark gun. Oh yeah, that had the exploding um, oh, the, gas w- canisters the gas, yeah, in. Yeah, yeah. The design of that pretty was cool. fantastic. I'd love a replica of that. Thing. Oh, so mm. would I. Mm, yeah. That's up there with the golden gun for me. Yeah, Looking at yeah, that, I was like, yeah. I've never seen anything like that. Yeah, mm. yeah. It was brilliant, and I don't know how it's taken me this long. Like I'm 28 on the weekend, <laughs> and I <I've only> just <laughs> noticed how cool that is. Yeah, yeah. Um, I love the gadgets. I love. Just how much spy stuff was in it. It really felt like a spy film. Yeah. You know? The Morse code in the hairbrush. Oh, opening that up and him searching for bugs in the hotel. Mm. I love that sequence. That whole sequence. Um, she was a bit... Anyway. Um, <laughs> we'll get to... We'll get to, we'll get to Agent Carver. We'll get to Rosie. Um, but I love the gadgets. I love the, I love the watch coming back multiple times. I love A the, Rolex. A Rolex. Ooh, not a Rolex, Omega. not an Omega in those days. Ooh, okay. It was Rolex. Rolex. Still a very handsome Rolex. Mm. It's uh, Looking at that watch, I was like, I'd wear that. I'd Absolutely. still wear that. That mm. that thing holds up. Absolutely. That is a beautiful timepiece. I love that it didn't work. I love that there were times when, you know, when we with the luring the, the boat out and mm-hmm. it kind of get caught on the line there. And um, That's a great moment too because it, it plays with... Um, what has been established in the previous, what, seven films mm, wow. is that, you know, oh, you get given the gadget and you're like, oh, okay, he'll use that at some point and it'll help in the plot and the story. And then they kind of subvert that mm. on the island where it's like, oh, he's going to use the watch to bring the boat over. Nope, the boat is oh, tankered. It tied up? It's yeah. yeah, tethered. It's mm. good. It's done. He has to find another way out. But then, and then you go, oh, well, that's the magnet gone. That's not going to help later. But then they get you with the... And it has a function that we didn't know it had. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, All of a sudden, buzzsaw. (laughs) (laughs) Cutting the ropes at the end there. I mean, I wasn't disappointed. That's the kind of stuff where I was like, "Mm, yes, I believe it. I believe it. I believe it. (laughs) I love it. It is a really big part of a Bond, Bond film for me. Having good gadgets. I think, yeah, it was great. Great design. A lot of fun. What are the other gadgets in there? We've got the watch, we've got the shark gun. We've got the... Uh, is this a gadget or is this a vehicle? We've got the kind of the hang glider. Mm, yeah, yeah. Well, it does have... Oh, a, the, the, it, it had a little button on the side. That's true, probably, that's gadgety. Probably gadget. That's gadgety. Um, uh, we have the Morse code radio communicator in the hairbrush. Yes, yeah. yes. Um, we have the, the bug detector. Yes, yes. Are there any others? That's definitely the... I think that might be it. ...gadget scene. That might be it. I think that is it. Mm. It's not overloaded, but it's... It's good. Yeah. They get get a good showcase. They do, They do get a good showcase with purpose. You know, they're showcased well, but it's not sort of gratuitous gadgetry. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Gratuitous (laughs) gadgetry. Just wait. There's some gratuitous gadgets. Yeah, come. No, really, no. there is. This is this is the thing. This is the pendulum going too far one way. It's a fine line. Yeah. Careful what you wish for. It's, yeah, that's the thing, isn't it? I mean, you you want. At least I do anyway. I, I I do want there to be gadgets in there, 
but um, once it gets a little too much, then it's like, come on, come on. Well, certainly the most gadgets we've seen in a Bond debut. Oh, it very well could be. I think so it is. Far. I think I remember right. there was a talking point either last episode or the episode before where it was like, oh, maybe they like to strip back the debut and go, no, no, yes. let's let the Bond carry himself through this mm. and then we might sort of start to introduce. This is his first film and there were plenty, plenty of gadgets going. Mm. Uh, I would say definitely stripped back from previous films though again. Yeah, sure. Definitely not as much. Well, as... You think some of the Conneries get pretty gadget heavy? Oh, as well? there's there's a lot of gadgets. Yeah, yeah particularly right. from uh, Goldfinger. You only live twice has gadgets galore. They're all fantastic. Mm. But uh, yeah, there's I a must lot. say, I was a little bit disappointed that we didn't get a Q scene mm. with so this amount of gadgets. Yeah, you know, Money Penny kind of off the cuff says, "Oh, by the way, here's your watch." Remember, you know. Or M, I think, says it. Oh, right. Mm. I think M is the one who says, you know... Good to see Money Penny had a Stop good a bullet from long range. Oh, yeah. We didn't get to see that. No, but no, I no. kind of, I kind of liked that they set it up for you to think, oh, okay, so That's he'll stop a bullet mm. with it. Mm. But Too hard for the budget. Well, <laughs> or, but I kind of liked that idea mm. of going, oh, this is what it can do. Yeah. And so you go, okay, he's gonna, it's going to protect him from a bullet at long range. Great. Mm. But he uses it for another purpose to save his skin. He pulls but a bullet. He does actually grab a bullet. Well, him. he yeah. does. Yes, he does. Yeah, so, yeah. wow, that's... God, this is good. Mm. The more we unpick this film, the more I'm really, really loving how, it. How would the watch stop a bullet? Would it not attract a bullet to your well, wrist? That's what? what I was thinking. Isn't it just going <laughs> to shoot you in the watch? <laughs> yeah. Nope. Go over that way. Go over that way. <laughs> Although you would or prefer you... to have your hand blown off than your heart. Uh, yeah. Long distance. If I suppose. Pulling away from this area. Pointing to my chest. <laughs> yeah. Over to this yeah. area. Um, I, I guess they're really aren't many vehicles in this. I mean, there oh, are a, a lot of vehicles, few, but, no but Bond vehicles. Yeah, he mm. kind of commandeers other people's mm. vehicles. Yeah. Great yeah. boats. Oh, my Double-decker bus. Oh, Billy Bob's boat. Yeah. <laughs> Billy white, Bob! The white Cadillac at the start. Oh, yeah, fantastic. all of those, those henchmen, yeah. the Cadillacs, and mm. the, all of those big cars. Good vehicles. Really Just good really vehicles. Yeah. Yes. No iconic Bond vehicles. No, no, no Aston Martins and things like that. Mm. Well, good little gadget actually on, on one of the henchmen's vehicles where he shoots the driver. Oh, through yeah, the mirror. Yeah, yeah, through the mirror yeah. That's a good little uh, a gadget. Good little gadget, and it leads to a fantastic bit of uh, stunt work Ooh, on, yes. yeah, on the, highway on the New York freeway or highway. Mm. That's fantastic. That crash on the stairs yeah. is oh, All the driving stunts. Really? The, the plane around the... This film has everything yeah. Boats, planes, helicopters uh, Cars, motorbikes There are planes, trains And, and automobiles. automobiles Oh, very good yeah. <laughs> Well, tick, tick, tick There's a lot I wouldn't say there's any iconic vehicles in this though. No no. I, I, no When I think of vehicles I don't think of any of the vehicles from Live and Let Die it's not like the Lotus Esprit or the or the yeah. DB5. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Although that bus, <laughs> that God, bus. there's a bus as well. That double oh, deck, yeah. that double decker bus. It's kind what, of iconic. Amazing stunt. Which I mean, let's just talk about the stunts now. This thing is jam packed with them. Oh, incredible sequences. I don't know how they would have coordinated it. 
I, that handbrake turn with the bus. Oh, oh my oh, god! Was fully swiveled it around. How amazing. did it not tip over? Yeah. How did it not tip over? I would love to see how many takes they took. Surely they would have lost it at one point. The stunts are sure. really special. They yeah, are. Yeah. Taking the wings off those planes, crashing into the other planes that are yeah, in the hangars yeah. and crumpling yes. up in the corner there. Um, and God, the boats. That, that boat. How they managed to get those boats to go all the way across the grass there, past the wedding, past, you know, getting it stuck in the pool, you know, all of that kind of stuff. The sequence we have to talk about, mm-hmm. running over the alligator heads, running oh, over the crocodiles. Yes, heads. we do, we do. Well, there's quite a few little tidbits of information with this. Um, the villain's name, Dr. Kananga, mm. uh, is not from Fleming. Mr. Big is from the Fleming, Live and Let Die, but Dr. Kananga is not. That's a creation of the filmmakers. That last name came from Ross Kananga, who owned the crocodile alligator farm that they shot at. And Ross Kananga is the guy who ran across the heads of the three live crocodiles. Wow. The shot that we saw... In the uh, in the film, you remarked at one point that you were like, "Oh, well, they've got to be they've got to be rubber it, no, no, prop no, ones." No, no, I knew they were real crocodiles. I thought oh, that, I thought that maybe he was, was oh, was that's right, that he was suspended. So that's that right. he could, yeah, that's right. Rubber snakes. I'm getting rubber, rubber snakes, snakes mixed yeah, up. It's definitely rubber snakes. Um, that he was on white. He wasn't. He wasn't. He ran across the heads of these three crocodiles, and on one of the takes. Um, there's an interview with Ross Kananga on one of the special edition kind of DVD special features um, where he ran across and he jumped on the head of the first one and by the time that he got to the head of the second one, the third one had figured out what was happening (laughs) and opened its mouth waiting for him. Its tooth went through the heel of his boot and he just flopped on to the edge of the um, the adjutment of the of the piece of land, mm. and kind of like clawed his way on, wow. shaking his boot free of this crocodile's tooth. He was very lucky not to at least lose a limb. He could have lost his life. How do they even position those croc- crocodiles? First? The wranglers. How do you, how do you, do you wrangle crocs in that? Yep, get there. Amazing, there. isn't it? Amazing. Just amazing. These sequences. Um, that is a hell of a sequence, and and the way they make the um, the heroin lab there blow up. Oh. I mean, just beautiful pyrotechnics. The the explosion of the poppy fields. The explosion yeah. when when he takes down the the guy chasing him in the in hot the, rod boat in the black boat. Yeah, in the black boat. Oh. When he goes in up the back, of the... him with gasoline, yeah. and then comes back across and hits the throttle, flicks him in reverse. Mm. Oh. It's that's and that's great bond. That yeah. is that is the cold. That's bond calculated. On his toes. Yes. Yes. it's really it's capable. bond being like, too bad, Bucko, I've got you. Yeah. Mm. And he just doubles back and doubles back and doubles back. Sends him into the back of that, whatever that massive ship is. Mm. That explosion is It's massive. a very satisfying dispatchment. Yes. yes. Yeah. Much better than the, uh, than the guy that fell into the snake coffin. I thought that was a little limp. Yeah, that one yes. was probably the well, weakest. He was on the train at the end, so... Yeah, I always <laughs> find that with this film, where I'm like... Does this film want us to believe that the voodoo magic is real? I think it does. Because yeah. that means that Baron Samadhi is actually 
the god of death or whatever Baron Samadhi is. Yeah. Um, well, then and they that definitely Solitaire and her mother time. could yeah. actually predict the future. Mm. And if that's true, what Bond does to her by tricking her into sleeping with him Pretty is really horrible. <laughs> yeah. It's really... That's, that's a dick move. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say it. <laughs> that's a dick move. And... Um, uh, hashtag not okay. <laughs> like, I don't know what else they could be suggesting by having him on the train at the end there. Well, I mean, let's talk about the mannequin that comes up. Yeah, the weird porcelain thing. Is that... Well, see, th- that's, that's, that's my thing. Yeah. It's confusing because that's, that's part of the show. Yeah. That's part of the, the show for the tourists at the start. Yeah. But... God, is it like a triple bluff? Like, what, yeah. what's actually going on with that? Yeah. It's something I've always been a bit like, oh, what's happening here? Mm. But it kind of ties into the Fleming material because I think Fleming definitely had that kind of flavour in the novels where he was like, yeah, there could be dark magic. Mm-hmm. There could be gods. There could be anything. You, you don't know. Whatever's going to be more mysterious and spooky and scary and a bigger, bigger challenge for Bond, yeah. throw it in. Mm. Is it the only one that does that? With I supernatural so. kind of. Oh, maybe stuff. on Her Majesty's with the brainwash. There's a bit of that in yeah, brainwashing. Yeah. Although that's less voodoo kind of. Yeah. That's like she says that she is when she's a virgin and she can tell the future that she's like married to the Prince of. Darkness. Yeah, so yeah. like the devil, <laughs> <laughs> like that's Satan, lady. <laughs> um, the only other thing I can think of is kind of um, is Doctor No with the dragon, the idea that there oh, is a yeah, dragon and, and that the, the locals believe that there could be a dragon on the on the island. But that's dispelled yeah. in the narrative. Yeah, yeah. Whereas I, this is left open ended. Yeah. yeah, almost to the point where it's like. They're actually wanting you to draw the conclusion that the magic could exist. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Which is funny because I think in every other aspect, this is probably the most grounded of Roger Moore's films mm. and one of the more grounded of the whole series. Mm. Mm. Vehicles are kind of, uh, you know, there's a lot in them. Yeah. There aren't many, there isn't really very many kind of like villain lairs or. There's the big lair at the end, which I don't think we see enough of. I think it's yeah. beautifully designed they, by Peter Lamont. But they do treat the the island as a lair. They do, don't they? In essence, yeah. yeah. It's it's a With lot of this is outside. Yeah, yeah. That's a lair to me. That's yeah, like the that's lair. that's fair. Yeah, the club. Fillet of soul or fillet of soul with, like, no, with the, yes, singer, the, with the singer singer coming out and then, and then down he goes down. there's a few the... layers going on I guess there is yeah, yeah. maybe you're so right so he has a layer in every fillet of soul yeah that's every kind fillet of, of soul is has a layer <laughs> he's franchised his layers <laughs> that's great <laughs> he's a great businessman he's a he's really a good businessman very good he's very good oh, he knows how to make a dime he does speaking of him Yafet Kodo as Dr. Kananga, Mr. Big. Uh, round of applause. Round of applause. I was so transfixed by his performance because at times I was going, can this guy act? Yes. And then just when you think that, your brain goes on this secondary journey 
where you go, no, he's he's, he's perfect. Yeah, yeah. It's I've never seen a villain, a Bond villain like him. Mm. It was really, really grounded, really grounded. Um, yeah, and he hold he holds all the cards close to his chest yeah. and mm. plays them at exactly the right moment. Yeah. Mm. When when he is losing it at Bond around the table, when he pulls the oh, the, mask. the mask off and, and, goes through those and he goes, masks. "Did you touch that?" And yeah. he kind of like screams at him, and that mm. the furious, like the rage that is coming out of him mm. when he's going, "Did you touch her? Mm. Did you touch her?" That's amazing. Mm. It's an extraordinary performance. He's so classy. He's oh, so God, well yeah. costumed. He there's such joy and ease and class. The confidence that he carries with him. It's like you are a serious match. Oh yeah. Mm. For Bond. Great voice too. Great voice. Great voice. Unfortunate death. Yeah. I mean look, yeah, let's Jesus. talk about that for just a minute. I don't minute. think the human body responds that way. <laughs> no. And I don't think any human body has ever looked like that. <laughs> That took Your the wind out of me. Your response to that, Jake, was fantastic. There was a slight pause, and then you just turned and said, What the hell was that? <laughs> because, look, I'll be honest, the campiness reared its ugly head right there. <laughs> <laughs> Hold, hold on to your PPKs. Uh, it's getting wacky. It's getting wacky. I thought, fantastic, the man's going to get devoured by the sharks that are kept in his leg. That would have been good. Or he'd explode in the water. In the yeah, water, yeah. yeah, boom. I'd be okay with even an explosion out of the water. When they held on that shot of him kind of getting up out of the water... And the neck started to swell, I thought, oh my god, what are they doing? And then the next shot is the piñata floating up into the rafters of the lair. It really does look like a paper mache. (laughs) Filled with helium. Oh god, they go... But it's unique. Oh, it I tell is you what, you'll never forget you'll it. You'll never forget it, and there'll never be a villain death like it. <laughs> I tell you what. Gee. Oh. Iconic lair, I think I totally saw Austin Powers, you yeah. know, where all like all of these classic spy tropes like started here, you mm-hmm. know, when you walk into Karanga's lair there and I mean a lot of it when they first sort of get into it, it's shot for real. Like, it looks like yeah. a fair income cave system. Cave-based. Cave-based like, yeah, lair. Cave-based lair. Love mm. it. Mm. Love it. Mm. Uh, and then when you get it, when it opens up, and oh my God, I just, I love the balls on the guy. I love the class. Hello, Mr. Bond. You know, oh, and it's just and like... he's got the little coupette oh, and the champagne. fantastic. What shall we drink to? Like, he knows you're there. So you haven't yeah. caught him by surprise. Fantastic. And the, yeah, the water. I thought they did a really good job of of selling the sharks too. Oh yeah! Like, I was like, they're they're in the water. They're in them. the water. They're coming. There mm. they go. I thought it was a great kind of seeing them, sort of slither their way out into again sniffing the blood that's dripping in the water. I loved all of that. Yeah, a lot of great tension building again in the editing, but 
Talking of tension building, that snake the in the snake, bathtub, yep. I thought they did, you know, when he's shaving and he just tilts the mirror down, you're like, no, leave it there, you're about yeah. to see it, come down. Come well, you've got to remember, Hitchcock was <laughs> the guy yeah. at this point in time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And yeah. the Bond films definitely... Mm. They borrow a because lot. Because they, I think Cubby Broccoli and Saltzman were chasing Hitchcock for a while there. Yeah, yeah. right. Um, and I think you, you kind of see it in, once, when when we get to it, you'll you'll know what scene it is, but... There's a scene in From Russia with Love, which is very much a recreation of the crop duster scene in um, ah, North by Northwest. Uh-huh. Well, Hitchcock did a film with Connery. He did. Mm. Mar- Rebecca or Marnie? Marnie. 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 Mm. That's wow. right. Mm. Oh, they're all connected, mm. aren't they? Yeah, they are. Mm. It's a family. <laughs> um, there's a whole bevy of villains, though, underneath wow. Mr. Yeah. Big. This uh, one I feel like is the first time you really get a sense of like a hierarchy mm, of like big yeah. boss, you know, lieutenants, and then the, you know, the the, the runaround soldiers, which mm. I think it shares in the DNA with uh, with Goldeneye. Yes, Goldeneye has that similar hierarchy. There's yeah. you know Oromov on a top and Boris. Mm. Yeah, yeah, you know, and then. Trevelyan as the big bad, the big and bad. then I think this has that similar yeah. feel. And we would never have gotten Jaws if it wasn't for what they invented with this villain. Right? Well, yeah. Tee, we've got to talk about Tee. He's mm. fantastic. he's one of the he's like he is one of the iconic ones for me. I think mm. his performance is extraordinary. He is. Mm. Every time he's on screen, I want him to stay on screen yeah. because I find he's him really so cool. endearing. Mm. Even though he's a bad guy, he's Great so smile. charismatic. Oh, I, that's, I know. Great really voice. loves his job. Oh, he just loves like, it. Mm. Oh. Great little thing with the robotic, you know, arm. Well, not robotic, I guess. It's just a mechanical yeah, just arm, a mechanical really. Arm. Mm. Um, Great production design on it. Oh, was, is he an amputee? That's a full arm. I don't know. I don't know how they got away with all of that. I don't know. Is that just, I think oh, it's just camera just trickery? Really. Clever yeah. filming? I yeah. did notice when his arm was latched onto the train bar. You could... He looked yeah. really kind of scene. Oh, and, and, and whenever there was a close-up yeah. of the, um, the, the clamps, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you could kind of tell he was, was holding on to the edge. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. Was just that a little bit like too a fake. Yeah, it was yeah. just too long. Just yeah. too long. And there was an extra joint there yeah. that shouldn't <laughs> be there. Yeah, yeah he's got um, two wrists. He's fantastic. Brilliant. I think it's so fitting that the film ends with a fight between Bond and him yeah. on the train. That's such a classic yeah. Bond trope. Fight on the train. It's a great Skyfall. fight too. Yeah, no. Skyfall yeah. from Russia with Love. Spectre's, uh, Spectre's got it as yeah, well. Yeah. Well, on Skyfall they fight on top of the train, That's I right. guess. Yeah, yeah. Um, from Russia with Love has it. Mm. Octopussy has an amazing fight on a train. Mm. Um, there's so many of them. But um, he, he's, he's brilliant. I... I think he. I think he is the one that should be the last one to be defeated. He was yeah. the muscle, yeah. you know. Yeah. Kananga, obviously the brains and very capable villain, um, but but to have what's his name, Tihi, Tihi, to have him be the and that was a fair income fight too. You know, oh, they really God, messed yeah. up that carriage. Yeah, you know the ladder beating out that. Like, oh, that's a terrifying weapon. That claw. Mm. It's, oh yeah, they, re- they really sell the weight of it mm. and like the, and the 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 dramatic tension. When Ooh. she's like, oh, I finally feel like a oh, real woman, James. Oh, my God. She's gonna and he, his, his 
clamp is coming <laughs> for her little pinky Ooh. finger. It's really tense. You're like, oh god, that's gonna go. I keep saying clamps like that future yeah, robot. Future I'm gonna give you the clamps. <laughs> <laughs> Sound like be yeah, I have to find that one. Um, who, who are our other villains in there? There's Baron Samity, the god of death, who apparently is the, the god, god of death. I didn't, I didn't like Baron Samity. Yeah, I love his laugh. Yeah, I love his laugh. Mm. Yeah. If I'm gonna, if I'm, if it's gonna get docked any points, that it comes on from your the, rating. On my rating, yeah. it comes from oh. the, from the combined uh, efforts of. Baron Samity and our friend. Oh, no, Rosie Carver. No, oh, her as well, actually. <laughs> but the cop. Oh, oh J.W. Pepper. Oh, yeah. I didn't like J.W. Didn't like J.W. J-W. He's, he's yeah, trying to steal the show. Yeah, 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 yeah. Stealer. You see, yeah, don't like your ego, push it. Like it's funny ego. you say that because uh, they put out for your consideration ads for J.W. Pepper. Did they? I'm fairly sure they were for your consideration ads to try and get him... Uh, an, Os- an Oscar nom. As if um, that's ever going to happen. Well, he was so popular. Was he? He was the thing that people came away from, from this film. They went, oh, Sheriff J.W. Pepper, got to have more of him. Different so time much so, in the 70s. <laughs> yeah, so much wow. so that they put him in the next film. Wow. Yeah, wow. Which came out a year after this. There was oh, no wow. two-year gap. They went straight Ooh. into production <laughs> after this on the next one. That's they really were very movie. keen to be like... Let's get this new Bond going. Mm-hmm. Have to do it. Have to do it. I love that the henchmen had uniforms. Mm-hmm. By the yes. time we get to the lair and they got the red polos and, and, oh, yeah. and, and the blue pants. Fantastic. Oh, Whisper. 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 Fantastic. The most bored Bond villain. <laughs> <laughs> but Clearly had something better to be doing. I loved every time he came on screen. So okay. did yeah. I. Yeah. So did I. He's the, he's the runaround guy. He's like, what it, what have I got to do now? I'm going to d- deliver a, a wine. All right, fine. Yeah. Okay. All right. He doesn't get the most glamorous. He gets the biggest. I'm going to go and kill the dog. And he gets like exploding the couch that oh, he's God. sitting on. It's, it's like a joke. Right, uh, whispers. <laughs> I do love that. Um, that his uh, characteristic of, of not being able to speak loudly yeah it's great is kind of comes into play at the end there where he can't warn Kananga yeah. that Bon has gotten off the yes. you know the hoisted mm. whatever True. that crane is yeah. he's going boss 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 and he can't get he can't, can't get the warning out mm. I thought that was really really that's a sweet little thing yeah I think that's great. Who who are our other henchmen in this? Well, there is a bit of a henchman in um, my my favourite little bit player, the cab driver. Oh, the cab driver! Oh yeah, the cab driver. There are no small parts. There, there are only small actors, <laughs> and whoever the actor is that plays the cab driver in this, yeah. iconic. Yeah, so for good. your consideration. Oh, that should like, have been the, same, for your same consideration. Same as the oyster truck driver and oh, oh yeah, and that's a great and gag. Plane, oh, plane oh, the lady. plane lady. Oh, the plane lady. Yeah, yeah. she great silent. A good lady. attention to detail and great care from yeah. Mr. Hamilton to oh, really nail those characters. Yeah, yeah, really did. gives them just expands the world. Yeah, mm. we've talked about the henchmen that we like. Yeah. We do have to talk about the henchmen oh. that we don't like. Yeah. 
Yeah. I think we all had a very collective cringe. Mm. Gloria Hendry's agent Rosie Carver. Unfortunately. My goodness. It's not good. It's not good. No. It's not a great character to begin with. No. It's no. a fairly I would say of all the characters in the in the movie, the weakest yeah. uh, in terms of the writing. Mm. Um I would say her performance doesn't help it. She looked uncomfortable. Yeah. She looked uncomfortable with him. She looked uncomfortable in her own body, holding a gun. What CIA agent holds a gun yeah. with, like, you know, flaily, weak forearm and bent to the other? Like, it's meant to be her second mission, yeah, but even then, true, I'm like... True. But even then, yeah. it's your second mission as a CIA agent. Yeah, yeah exactly. you've gone through training. But is she actually a CIA agent? Yeah. yeah. She, she is. is. She's just been yeah, she, she She's a double agent, though. She right. works for... for uh, Mr. Big and Kananga. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, she is... She, I would say, is the low point of the film for mm. me. I'm glad she kind of put up a bit of a fight with James's charm, though. You know, she wasn't easily seduced yeah. or anything like that. Whereas the first agent, the Italian agent, oh, the yeah. missing Italian agent, she, she was a little more kind of... Carefree. Carefree, so to speak. <laughs> Although I'd imagine they'd been on a long mission together. And, you know, there, there's <laughs> a whole other there film we there. Yeah, yeah. experienced yeah, yeah, yeah. She's Very the honey rider of another film. She's the solitaire of another film. That's how I justify that. Um, I think that's all the henchmen, isn't it? I think we can resoundingly say that Rosie Carver is, is, a, is a weak link in this film. Yeah, yeah. Um... Are there any other henchmen? I'm trying to think. No, I th- um, not main players. No, we got Teehee, Whisper, Rosie Carver, Baron Samity. Whispers, all those guys. Are you a fan of Baron Samity, Jake? Not really. Not, yeah, not he really. kind of doesn't need to be in it. I don't no, think he, he does. No, he doesn't need to be. In I don't it think at all. he does. Yeah, he doesn't actually do anything, which no. maybe gives credence to the fact that he's a ghost. Yeah, true. Yeah, quite possibly. But why is he working for Mister Big then? <laughs> like, like, what does the God of Death? What, what possible motive like, does the God I, of Death have to do with the drug trade? And the way he's introduced is like he's an entertainer. <laughs> yeah, at yeah. The club. Yeah. On the island, doing it's sort of dancing. sandals and money. I think. I think, <laughs> I think they just wanted that archetype with the skull face painting. Yeah. In the movie. Good and visuals. Just trying to figure out. I I actually think it would be more interesting if he was just an entertainer that worked on the resort on San Monique who was also a henchman and got kind of easily dispatched. Yeah. Yeah. Like some up and coming actor that was trying to prove himself to Mr. Big and just kind of Failed. You get you know the look. I mean? you, you get to use it. Exploiting yeah. for the look and the theatricality. It's of it, more effective and like that. I find the the whole thing of him being more important than he actually is, and, yeah. and showing up at that scene when uh, Kananga realizes that Solitaire's lost her powers. You're yeah. like, What's you he don't doing really that? need him there. Like no. the, the the tension is and drama is between those two characters. Yeah. What's he doing in mm. New Orleans or Just wherever? Just to burn they are. a card and. Turn it around yeah. and laugh in the background. Kananga could do yeah, that, and exactly. it'd be much more affecting. Mm. Yeah, very true. He felt empty. We've mentioned this woman quite a few times in passing throughout this podcast. We now get to talk about her in depth. 
Ms. Jane Seymour as wow. Solitaire. <sighs> I'm going to say it, and I hope it's not a, a, you know seen as something a sexist, misogynist dinosaur would say. <laughs> I think she's the most beautiful um, Bond woman in the series. She's wow. my favourite Bond girl. Um, she is... You can't take your eyes off her when she is on screen. And not just because of how beautiful she is. There is something about her that mm. is... She believes so her character. Oh my mm. god. She's mesmerising. Mm. Mesmerising. She is out of this world. Yeah. Just yeah. out of this world. How old was she when she first did this? She'd have to be in her early 20s. Amazing. Mm. Amazing screen presence. Um, uh, like, equal... Equal to Roger on the screen, you know, yeah. a worthy scene partner, like, and and invested in the character and in the world mm. and, and what she's doing. She holds great power when she's sitting at that table with the really ornate cape with the neck piece behind it. You know, she's holding the cards. Oh yeah, um, and she is holding the cards. Like she, mm. I don't know what to say, but. She holds it. She, yeah, she's so, one of the iconic ones for me. Yeah. Whenever I think of, you know, when people go, oh, who are the Bond girls or Bond yeah. women, you know, that, mm. you, you know, if you had to pick top five, you know, that represent the series the best. I no think boy. Solitaire's got to be up there. And, you know, there is an element of her where she is, she does get a bit damsel in distress. Yeah. But that doesn't, personally for me, that doesn't bother me so much because I don't think every character in this series needs to be a strong independent you know yeah. character and it also yeah. works for her narrative in that well, she's she, a kept woman yeah yeah that's the thing right? and, like, and she loses her powers she becomes a little more unsure of herself yeah in need of help I think it's kind of works for what and she needs to be taken out of there because she's going to be killed and yeah, yeah. she hasn't got an awareness of the world as far as you know they probably didn't think of all this at the time but I think she's a you know yeah, grounded she's, character. she's mm. very grounded. Mm. The the moment that I, I think is her shining moment, actually, mm. in the um, in the film is is a kind of a blink and you miss it thing. When they get to New Orleans and our favourite, the cab driver, uh, mm-hmm. picks them both up and takes them to the plane, and, and they're escorting Bond onto the plane, and they're going to chuck him out. It seems at ten thousand feet, <laughs> she has this moment. Where she she does the double bluff, yes, and is like, you know, the only the only um, regret I have is that I won't be there, there to, to see it. it. And, hits and then it she with hits the him, and it's this great double bluff of mm. being like, her way of needed. surviving mm. is to go. Well, it's a great distraction for Bond. You're mm. right, but it's such a moment of she can now to all the henchmen and to Mister Big, she can play the thing of no, no, he kidnapped me. Mm. Yeah. He kidnapped me. I was not a willing mm. uh, participant in this. I would never betray you. It's a great moment of self-preservation. Yeah. Mm. And just feeds into the espionage thriller of mm. all of this. Mm. She's costumed very well. She is. Very well. Mm. Very well. Uh, yeah, I mean, she's stunning. She really is stunning. There's no way of beating around the bush. She's probably the most... Um, I think she's the most beautiful of the of the Bond women, mm. and uh, 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 you know because we're on the record here, I'll, I'll leave it. I'll leave it at that. Uh, but Change I will say my favorite costume of hers yes. is um, the uh, tarot desk cape. Yeah, that's yeah, cool. yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I was not who... expecting her to step out of it. 
Yeah, when you, yeah. yeah. It comes out of it. And I love seeing Bond in his kind of um, beige with the cape over the top. With it, so yeah, yeah, yeah when he's sitting there. Great moment. Yeah. Great moment. I will say, Bond is a. I think we touched on this earlier, but he's a bastard. He's a bastard for what he does when he rigs the deck like that. Oh. That is that's <laughs> yeah. tough, particularly because he's taking her virginity. No, he that didn't. Is, he didn't know that it would have the effect it had. That she would lose her powers to Yeah, pro- uh, well, probably not. And he probably and who also knows didn't if he did. Well, I don't think he yes. believes it. You can't I see mean, it in his face. Yeah, You're like, he's are you serious? Are you serious? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the MI6 regulars, uh, they only have one scene in this. Yeah, There's no but Q. it's a good scene. It is a very good it's scene. It's a very good scene. Oh, and M, M steals it. Yeah. It's <laughs> easy dry. Dude. The <laughs> coffee machine. The coffee machine. Is that all it does? <laughs> That's a gadget. That's a good that coffee is a gadget. That's a gadget. And for back then, it would have been a very impressive <laughs> yeah. gadget. That's a great. I think that's a great scene because it sets up. It's so important because it's setting up the. Um, it, it's our first scene with our new Bond. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's setting up the uh, the fact that this is still the same character, and it's it's that immediate relationship. We see the old relationship between M and Bond. Yep. And we go, okay, great. I feel completely at ease. Here we are, M Bond familiar territory it's just mm. a perfect way to set Bond up I, I hope think. that they carry just as a complete side note yeah but uh, Rafe and Rafe Fines and um, the new Money Penny over to the next Bonds so do I mm. I have a gut feeling that they won't because mm. uh, Naomi Harris has said Daniel's my Bond right. and it would feel weird to do it with someone else Although I'm sure that Lois Maxwell probably felt the same way True. about Sean. Mm. So, never say never. Again. Again. <laughs> <laughs> you never bring that film up in my house. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I agree, I hope they do that. Yeah. Lois Maxwell, again. Great. She's on for like 30 seconds, but she nails it, yeah. she nails it, and she, she nails it. She stays with you. Like, you know, she leaves her mark hmm. and, and always... Always has James's back. Yeah. Always, you know. I just, no matter, she's so yeah. loyal. I'm so aware of her emotions every time yeah, she appears. Really yeah, really emotional actress. Yeah. You kind mm. of feel that mm. for sure. And um, it's it's crazy because all up, we've seen her in three films now. We've probably seen her for a combined screen time of five minutes. Yeah. And we're still just like hopelessly devoted to her. Absolutely. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Yeah. That's a testament to her. I think mm. that's a rare gift yeah, of an actor. Yeah. You know? Um, this is something that uh, we were all a little bit like, this could be pretty bad. It's 1973, not renowned for its fashion. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it hasn't uh, lived on, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What did we think of the style of I this thought film? for every question mark there was an exclamation mark Ooh, <laughs> very, very nice. good very nice. you're right because for every blue double denim yeah there's an amazing winter coat yeah that he wears Ooh, in Harlem. that double breasted mm. oof mm. very the tactical good. wear at the end yeah, the, oh, the tactical with the brown leather yeah. shoulder yeah holster. when he came out in that I was like here he is the, the costume change when oh, he gets off the hang glider. Gets off the hang glider and mm. flips the suit out. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yes. 
What would okay? Let's uh, let's go around. What would be your standout outfit in the film? Yeah. Doesn't have to be Bond. Could be Bond. Oh, okay. Standout outfit, and then the outfit that you think uh, should be binned or burnt. Binned or burnt. <laughs> um, I think um, Kanaga's. Is it Kanaga? Kananga. Yeah. Kananga. Oops. <laughs> I think Kananga's. <laughs> I think Kananga's last outfit. They're black. The black and the what the collar's doing and yeah, everything. Yeah. yeah. Really, really good. Mm. Good choice. Really good. I'd have to go with just because it's burnt in my brain, the Bond's double holster black turtleneck ensemble. Oh, yeah. It's gotta yeah. be that. And I think my my ditch it would be the, the flared pants and the and the Unbuttoned. Shirt. Unbuttoned. Yeah. Oh yes, the deep V. The I would ditch. I, I would ditch the double blue with the mesh. You okay, I, d- I would ditch that as well. We're burning that. <laughs> burning together. it. Where that's a Burn. that thing should never be seen ever again on anyone. Um, yeah, I gotta say, my favorite outfit is is when he gets off the plane in New York. That double-breasted mm. uh, coat. He's got the, the leather gloves. Yeah, the nice. Suit and tie underneath. Yeah, the navy with the red. I think it's got red lines through it. Too. I think it might actually. Mm. Um, that is a that's a phenomenal outfit, and I just think Roger looks the business in that kind mm. of stuff. He yeah. really wears that stuff it's so, so well. New York appropriate too. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and not really something, and probably because of the time period too, but not really a look we've seen with Bond. No. Do you think? The trench coat? Not, the... Well, I'm, now you're making me really think. I feel like we would have seen Connery in a coat. Yeah. But when I think of it, I don't picture Connery in a coat. Mm. It's funny, I picture Brosnan and I picture Moore in those lovely coats. Mm. You know, Lazenby has his big film. kind of thing when he's um, when he's the historian. The, the Scott, I was just thinking, you know, that. he's got yeah. the big kind. Of oh thing. yes, his detectives, yeah. duster, yeah. Holmes. You know, yeah, very Holmesian, <laughs> very isn't Holmes. it? Okay. Um, but you know, I, I just sort of feel the beginning of Moore's own Bond style starting to come through. It's like, mm. oh, yeah. Moore can pull that look off really mm. well. Mm. Um. I guess the the final thing to do before we give our scores is something that we kind of devote to you, Darby. Mm-hmm. Technically, um, as a director, how how do you feel? Is it is this a well made film? This what is stands ex- out for you? Wizardly made. I've said it several times, but the the edit is what wins it. It it would be. I want to know who's responsible for the edit because it seems like a film that was very much edited during production that's what strikes mm. me is that the, oh. the consideration of of shots of shot reverse shot making sure he grabs all these little moments Hamilton definitely knows what he's shaping up to build so the editing is very technically proficient but he's calling the edits um, it's it's near on perfect I feel in, t- in the technical aspects for its time period I'm um, all about it. Mm. Do you reckon he boarded it? For sure. Yeah, parts of it. I feel like yeah, these older films were all very story based. Yeah. I mean, because you didn't have a monitor, mm. you didn't what know we, what yeah. you were getting in. Did in we get can. it? Yeah. Cinematography was simple and elegant. I was saying that Jake before it was always very much, you know, in terms of the layers in a frame, 
all the mid shots and close ups are three layers. So there's always a foreground, middle ground element, background element. There's, you know, I've him standing by the police car, you've got the blue siren next to him, and then you've got a, a telegraph wire to the right. Like it's all really perfectly considered compositionally. Yeah. And all and and sticks to the same rules. He's a really disciplined director. Very, very disciplined director. Yes. Um, I want to see his films outside Bond. Like that's how much wow. I he he did a he did a quite a few actually yeah, um, yeah. and I'm apparently be they've been yeah. quite good. Mm. Um, this I just did a quick Google. Okay. So you know you'll still probably find a way to fact check me on this, <laughs> but even though I'm looking at it on the phone, this was edited by three different people. Yeah, right. I believe there was a, a lead editor and then the other two were kind of like assembly associate or assembly or something mm. like that. Uh, but it was Bert Bates, Raymond Poulton and John Shirley, okay. uh, who were credited as the editors on this. Ted Moore was the cinematographer who had worked with... Um, he had, uh, he'd worked with um, Guy Hamilton and won an Academy Award for A Man for All Seasons. Oh, wow. Um, he did, I'm fairly sure, he did From Russia With Love, I'm just looking it up now, he did From Russia With Love through to... Uh, actually, no, he did Doctor No... From Russia with Love, Goldfinger, and Thunderball, and mm-hmm. then I think he came back for Diamonds Are Forever, Live and Let Die, and then I'm fairly sure he came back again for The Man with the Golden Gun. I'm, I was going to say, if they're keeping the director between films, they're keeping the rest. But of they them. had to get a replacement cinematographer halfway through because oh. he fell quite ill. Oh, oh no! Okay. Um, I think he recovered because he did go on to shoot films after that. I'm fairly sure. I, w- I would say that Hamilton has forced a lot of the choices may not have forced the pacing but content of the scenes i will say um and i think we'll find this i think that's a good comment to keep in mind Mm. uh all four of the hamilton films when i think about it they move at a clip okay and they never take longer than they need Mm. they are constantly they are constantly entertaining Mm. Mm. he's a traditionalist for sure yeah Yeah. and i think he really did perfect the bond film from a visual standpoint, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's a lot of influence like, yeah. with this film. I kind of seeing looking forward into mm. the Craig's. And he gets in all four of the the Bond films that he's directed, he gets fantastic performances. The mm. casting is pitch perfect for all four of them. I mean, they really match the tone of each film. You might mm. not like the film, but you can't really go, oh, well, Jesus, they didn't know what they were doing there. You, yeah. They really nail what mm. they're going for. Sometimes it's just not what they should be going for. Sure. Um, oh, well, that's good. Yeah, because watching this, I thought this was thoroughly enjoyable. I thought this was r- extraordinarily well made. Mm. I don't think it has the kind of uh, the shine or gloss that Honor Majesty's has. Mm-hmm. Honor Majesty's does feel like a slightly feels more prestige. Yeah, it's yes. very striking. Mm. Yeah, whereas this feels more... This is aware of itself. Yeah, but it's it feels happy. like the well-made blockbuster. It does. Mm. Yeah. It's like it knows that all it's meant to do is thrill, titillate and entertain. But it's not going to drop the ball on the, on the, on the craft. Yeah, yeah. it will yeah. constantly do those th- three things mm. in the best possible way. Yeah, yeah, yeah you're right. Honor Majesty's had some striking visual ideas. Yeah, um, better cinematography, especially. Oh yeah, yeah. but yeah, it, it, this one had uh, went back to that old kind of 
um, that aspect ratio that's not sixteen nine, but um, two three five. Is that is that it? It's not the letterboxed um, aspect ratio. I actually ratio. couldn't even tell you what the aspect ratio was. Yeah, it was. It fills more of the screen, whereas okay. um, Honor Majesties and a lot of the other Bond films are two three five. Are that two two three five? Yeah. Mm. This one was. It's not sixteen nine. It's that weird one yeah. where there's just oh, there's that all, thin bar just at the top hundreds. of the TV. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, there's so many. Yeah. Crazy. Um, I guess we have to get to the ratings now. I'd like to make an honorary mention. Oh. To our friends at the CIA. Oh, we didn't cover this. Felix Felix, Leiter. Thank you so much for jumping in. (laughs) Because he's my second favourite Felix Leiter. After Jeffrey? After Jeffrey, yeah. Mm. I loved him. He was good. Felix. Yeah. Yeah. Very charming. Mm. He was in there a really good good amount of time. Um, Yeah. It was good. And you could tell that he was really aware of who Bond was and how important it was you to bought... make sure that Bond was left alone. Yeah. yeah I'll clean up your mess. I'll clean up your mess. Yes. I'll call yeah. up the people to deal with the things and do that and this. And you Absolutely. Can just, when they yeah. turned up in, in New Orleans, I was mm. like, oh, these are two guys from two separate parts of the world that do mm. similar things and they're on the, they're on the job together. And yeah, he wasn't trying to be Bond, where I feel like Felix was in Doctor in No. In Doctor No, yes. Yeah, mm. he had his own world going on. He's like, yeah, we've crossed paths before. I kind of, hi, how you doing? Let's let's get down to it. I'll I'll watch you back. And oh yeah, what have you done now? Right, I'll <laughs> put you on a flight. It's got to be all right. Um, he was really American. He added a different voice to it. You know, mm. really, yeah, he was really grounded. I, I, I think he's fantastic. He's also the only Felix other than Jeffrey Wright. To perform as Felix more than once. Really? No way. So he comes back oh. 16 years later. No. Oh my God. In 1989's License to Kill wow. with Timothy Dalton. <gasps> wow. Which. That's a long time between drinks. It's a long time between drinks and bonds. <laughs> um, and that film has more in common with Live and Let Die than a lot of people might know. Mm. Wow. Um, speaking of Felix, we probably should address him because we were putting him off for quite a while. We were. Sheriff Jane, Dobby and Papa, Pooey Patooey. Just terrible. Darby's favourite character. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't like him. What? Despised what is it? Him. What? What is it? Despised the man. He, he didn't know what film he was in. Mm. Or at least, I mean, he wasn't directed in a way. I well, you know. think Guy let him slip through the cracks a bit? He's maybe. very big. He's, he's too aware. He's, yeah. Just didn't like him. <laughs> yeah. The, I think... I didn't care about his problems. No. You know? No. Yeah. And I, th- I don't know if you're meant to, mm. but whenever he, when he does that line at the end, they go, well, he's from, he's from Great Britain. He's a secret agent. Secret agent <laughs> on whose side? <laughs> Every time he does that, I'm like, why is it that big? <laughs> yeah. Like, why aren't you showing a little bit of like? Come on, hang on, he's just he's screwed up half of Louisiana. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. we should actually care about it. But then you're also like, oh, he's a racist hillbilly. Yeah, like, yeah. He kind of got what's coming to him. Yeah, like, he's that. 
backwards character. And you get the impression that even the police force don't really take him seriously. Oh, they hate him. He's got a different coloured uniform to everyone else. He does. His shirt is is more like a teal compared to their sky blue. Yeah, Mm. which I was trying to catch on to, you know, the, the American sort of... Rank, police yeah, maybe system the sheriff yeah. has their own state trooper versus mm. the the county police. You've got all of these mm. different, you know, systems and mm. different police. But yeah, it was odd. It was odd. Um, the only other ally that we haven't mentioned is Quarrel Junior, the, yeah. the son He's of Quarrel. Yeah. He's good. Did the job. Um, a fun little tidbit on Quarrel Junior. So the reason that Quarrel Junior is in this is because the book of Live and Let Die comes before Dr. No in, um, in the, the novel chronology. Oh, So it really? goes Casino Royale, Live and Let Die. They're the first two. Wow. And Quarrel's first appearance is in the book Live and Let Die. Oh. And so that's where Bond and Quarrel meet. First and me. so by the time you get to Dr. No, a couple of books into the series... He comes back. He's there, there's an established relationship, and so Quarrel's death Ooh. has a stronger... Uh punch Um, in the book of live and let die Felix is uh, has his leg taken off by the sharks he's fed to the sharks by I think Mr. Big so he walks with a limp for the rest of his he has no leg yeah Yeah, for the rest of it um, uh, in in the novels (laughs) and in fact Lighter isn't really the main uh the kind of friend of Bond in the novels. It's more uh, Rene Mathis, okay. who doesn't get introduced in the film series until Casino Royale, mm. and then is unceremoniously dispatched in Quantum of Solace. Mm. Oh, gee, he didn't like that. He long. doesn't oh, last long, long <laughs> at all. Um, that plot line, though, with Felix Leiter getting fed to the sharks does come back in the films. Um, I won't say if it's Felix who gets fed... Um, or not, but uh, that that plot mm. thread does come back. Mm. Nasty stuff. Well, I think we have covered everything mm. in the film. Mm. I guess it's now time to give our shaken or stirred ratings. <laughs> now, I can never remember the order in which we do this. <laughs> I only remember that I tend to go last. Well, maybe yeah. you should go first this time. I yeah yeah go on go go on go. All right. Well, for me. I think Roger is in fantastic form. Mm -hmm. He's out of the gate. Number one with a bullet. Um, I think there are fantastic stunts. The villain is great. I really enjoy the plot. I enjoy the way this film is made. Um, Even the weak aspects like Rosie Carver don't do enough for me to kind of go ugh I can't watch that even the J.W. Pepper stuff I actually got a real kick out of it watching it this time and he's a character that does my head in when I think about him if I haven't seen the film for a while and I think about him I start gritting my teeth <laughs> even um, his name oh yeah it's, it's J.W. <laughs> it's dumb and his, that his cousin's name is or not cousin his brother-in-law is called Billy Bob <laughs> like it's not not the most creative but I will say Tom Mankiewicz's dialogue is superb mm. Guy Hamilton knows how to make a Bond film this is one of the top films for me mm-hmm. it's easily top 10 I think Every day it creeps more and more into my top five. Mm. Wow. I still can't decide whether this or For Your Eyes Only are my favourite Roger Moore films. Okay. But 
with all of those ingredients shaken up together in my cocktail shaker, <laughs> the, uh, the steel is getting nice and chilled. It's almost impossible to touch. I'm going to give this a shaken. And I'm going to give it a shaken eight. Oh. Gee. Wow. Oh, he's a deck. tough, he's a tough critic. <laughs> well, <laughs> eight is a good score. That's <laughs> it. It's, it's a good it? score. Because this was not a well-received film when it first came out. Let me say. And I think it's getting more and more appreciation as the years go on. Yep. Definitely. Well, look, I gave uh, On Her Majesty's a shaken ten. You did. Wow. I was very moved by that film. I had just as good a time in this one. And I feel like I'm being harsher on it simply because it's a better film, if that makes yes, sense. Yes, I know what you mean. It's, it's, it's kind of because it's got more potential, it could have been even better than it is. Yeah, yeah, I get that, you. If I that makes you. sense. And it is just those few elements, those few missteps that that stop it from being a 10 for me. Mm-hmm. I'm going to give this one, and that they those being the three characters of J.W. Pepper, um, Rosie, Carver. Rosie Carver and... And the Pompernickel. What's his name? <laughs> Baron Samity. Baron Samity. <laughs> Pompernickel. <laughs> Pompernickel. <laughs> Baron, Baron Samity. Baron Samity. Baron Samity. Um, so I will give this a shaken nine. Oh, it's a shaken wow. nine. Yes. My God, I that's I do wild. love it. I love it. You do much. love it. And you're I, loving I really it while love, we were I was it. really adoring it. This is the most vocal and energetic we've been. Absolutely. Yeah, when we were watching this, there was a lot of noise. Yeah. 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 Well, Jake, what say you? I tell you what, this thing was firing on all cylinders. (laughs) See, it, it knocked me off my feet because I was, look, I went in not expecting much. Certainly not expecting what I got. And what I got was a 10. What? You're giving this a 10. This thing, Mm. this thing is well up there. Wow. I love the bond. I love the dialogue. I love his approach to the one-liners, which are a real big deal for me. There were plenty of gadgets, tasteful gadgets, relevant gadgets the villain i think has been the best villain so far yeah i'll agree with that yeah i'll agree um, with that the of location the three we've seen yep definitely. the three we've seen kananga fabulous the locations i really i really dug maybe not necessarily sort of you know mind-blowing but i loved i love seeing him back in the tropics i love new orleans and i thought i i thought New York gave it a, an interesting touch, and I think the boat sequence, the stunts, the dispatching of henchmen, the crocodiles. Look, even yeah. even the costuming, even the costume. Aside from the couple of wrong terms, um, <laughs> as was the style. <laughs> as was the style, and the Bond girl, mm. Jane Seymour. Jane I mean, can we Seymour, just, just please. A round of applause for Jane. Like. Seymour. Honest to God, this thing is a shaken 10. A shaken 10. Shaken 10. There we go. So we've gone 10, 9, 8. 10, 9, 8. 
Well, which is what we did last last week. I believe we did. Yeah, yeah. I believe we did. Yeah, no, no. yeah. yeah. I, think so. I think that's right. I'm still Listen yet to up. give a higher ranking than the two of you. Yeah, yeah. Still, it'll come. That day will come. <laughs> don't you worry. I mean, what's getting me a little bit nervous now is that we're getting all the good ones out of the way. No, there's plenty of good ones. <laughs> there's plenty of good ones. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't even seen bloody Thunderball or yeah, or Goldfinger. Yeah, or Goldfinger. Mm, true, there's true. Lots to come. There's a lot. There's a lot of Roger still of, to love as well. There's been a lot of high scoring going on. Mm. We're three films in. I think, yeah, just reflecting on Her Majesty's, I think what gets that one over the line is just that deeper sense of emotionality. Yes. I think maybe that's the ingredient that makes Bond more perfect for me. And looking at this, this was a romp. Yeah. This was a real romp where Bond didn't have to kind of search himself so much. Yeah, he's very unflappable in this. Yeah. Even when he gets um, cut open with the knife mm. on the mm. thing, he mm. does not react. No. He's just like All death right. staring him. He's like, you won't break me. Yeah. I am cool, calm, and completely collected. Yeah. Go fuck yourself. Which <laughs> 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 I'm starting like to, to realize... see a degree of change. A degree of change. Yeah, okay. yeah, okay. yeah. yeah. so I'm, do I. I'm but starting terms... to think that maybe that's not quite... What you want, what I what I need, yeah. and I'm I find that there are the Bond films that are romps, and the, there are the Bond films that are just amazing standalone mm. dramas, mm. like emotional dramas. I would say Casino Royale, Honor Majesties. There's a couple of others that kind of hold that. Mm. Um, for me, I can take both. Yeah, I can take both. And when they're on their best day, mm. like I think this is, oh yeah, uh, I'm never going to be disappointed. Mm. It's when they go for the romp or they go for the heavy hitting drama and they really miss it. Mm. That that's when I start to be like, you don't get put in the DVD player for another two years. <laughs> <laughs> I'll watch you again. Don't worry. <laughs> But I'm going to put Live and Let Die on before I watch it. <laughs> For sure. Well, gentlemen, we've done our first Roger Moore. More to come. Pleasantly surprised. Yes. Very happy. Well, gentlemen, we now have, because Moore was Bond for a record seven films, mm. we now jump from 1973. We'll be joining you next time, listeners, for 1987's... Whoa! The Living Day. Whoa!